is a, a big day. And uh, I pray that it'll be the, the biggest day in Platte Valley's history of our church's history to see how many people we can reach out to uh, that day. So, and uh, don't, don't be listening to Pastor West and his negativity. I'll give you a ride. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Those who are in law enforcement, if you see all these black marks up here on the highway, right out here by the driveway, don't pay any attention to that. You know, it's just the burnout section or whatever. So, but uh, uh, I'll even give you guys a ride too if you promise to uh, uh, plead the fifth if you're ever called in the court. So, <clears throat> but uh, anyway, John chapter 15 it is fun to have. It's good to have a little bit of fun, isn't it? And and uh, God has given us a sense of humor, and and uh, He even showed His sense of humor in. I believe He did in. Uh, uh, when you go back to uh, the book of Jonah, and you read the book of Jonah, four short chapters, and tells Jonah to go into Nineveh and preach and preach to them, and and uh, there in the very last part, Jonah is mad because the Ninevites have repented and come to trust God, and and God had saved them and restored them, and here he is, he's all mad because of this, and 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 God said, he said, hey. Not only did 600,000 people turn their hearts to me, but think about all the cows that were saved. And I just, I don't know, I just kind of saw it as kind of a sense of humor. And so, so God has given us somewhat of a sense of humor. But uh, not humorous in what's going to go on today, though, as we look at this and, and want to uh, give you a, a little bit of an idea of, of the uh, this uh, uh, short theme that we're going to look at over the next uh, two weeks or so, and and we're we're going to be looking at Jesus, obviously, and we're going to be leading up to that that precious moment in time whenever that uh, tomb is emptied and our God raises from the dead and and uh, declares victory over death and and victory over sin. And but up until then, we're we're going to kind of go along the way here and. You can go into the Gospels, and Matthew, Mark, and Luke are, are what's called the Synoptic Gospels, and they pretty much give you the, the, the same rundown of, of what went on in Jesus' life. Now, the Gospel of John is somewhat different in that, but uh, because it is making more of a declaration of who Jesus is as God himself, and, and so that's why it's important that if you are, are a young believer and you might be thinking in your mind, I don't know where to start or, or how, how do I get to know more about Jesus, then I would recommend that you start with the Gospel of John and, and you read the Gospel of John and it tells you about his ministry, it tells you about his life while he's here, but it also shows us that he's God. And, and so we're, we're in the Gospel of John and we've come to a point in chapter 15 where Jesus has just finished one of the most powerful statements, I believe, while he was alive in John chapter 14. And it was in John chapter 14 where, where he's with his disciples and Judas Iscariot now has, has gone on his way. And so we have 11 of these men that have for the last three years or three and a half years or so have been traveling with Jesus and Jesus has been showing them that He's God through the miracles, through the forgiveness of sins, through the, the, the salvation of many, and, and 
and in all the ways that he had declared that he was God, and they've been watching that, and, and he continues to tell them that, that uh, uh, Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, the Messiah, and that he, he uh, fulfills all of that uh, mosaic law that was there. It's all pointing them to the Messiah. And then he gets to chapter 14, and he tells them that I'm leaving. I'm getting ready to leave. And as a matter of fact, I am preparing to die. Now, they're, they're not truly understanding all of this, and they don't truly understand this until after Jesus dies, and then even after Jesus raises from the dead, and then at the day of Pentecost, then by that time it is all sunk in, and now they understand the enormity of, of what he was telling them back in John chapter 14, but how precious it is where he, he tells them that I'm, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. When, when we lose someone, and I had a pastor friend who lost his grandmother this week, and, and he made a statement. He said, it's amazing to me how one day your loved one is there, and the next day they're gone. And everything, I mean, you, you have memories of them. You have, you have even their clothes in the closet. You have all of the things that remind you of who they were, but, but they're gone. And I think about what he told them in John chapter 14. And he said, look, I'm going to be gone. But somebody is coming to take my place. That's the Holy Spirit. And through that, he can make the bold statement that I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And so, and I give you this Holy Spirit that will indwell in you for all eternity. But I think about how the powerful that statement rang true to them later whenever they watched our Savior brutally killed upon that cross and that he came back and he stood alive with them. And so here, as we get into chapter 15, he has just told them that. They have been up in the upper room. It's there that they've had the Last Supper. It's there where he tells Judas to go do what you're going to do. Go do it quickly. So Judas has walked out and sold his soul for 30 pieces of silver. And he has this precious personal moment with these 11 men. And so you think about, I, I can't but help think about the, the reality of this and, and thinking what are these guys, you know, thinking in their mind. And Jesus, you're, you're telling me that, that you are going to die we, we have watched you walk away from those that have tried to stone you. We have seen you miraculously be delivered out of a mob that wanted to beat you to death. We, we have seen you walk away from own family that, that do not believe you nor trust you or, or believe in, in who you are. We, we've watched all of this, and we've stayed with you. We've, we've watched you do some miraculous things in, in feeding a multitude, thousands and thousands of people. We have, we have watched you miraculous, miraculously feed them. 
We have been on the, on the boat whenever we knew that we were going to die. We were fishermen, and, and in our experience, we knew that, that there was nothing good going to come of this, and we watched you stand there and calm the sea. And now you're telling us that you're going to go, and you're going to leave us? You are our security. You, you are the one that, 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 that has given us the, the, the strength and the boldness to, to, to be here and, to, and, and, and serve you and even cast out demons and, and, and praise you and, and point people to you. And, and, and here you are, you're telling us that you're getting ready to leave. You're the one that made the Pharisees look like fools. Lord, you're our safety. You're our security. You've been our strength in all of this. And so I'm sure, knowing our God, that he knew exactly what they were thinking. And so they left the upper room, and it tells us that they are headed to the Garden of Gethsemane. And I have a picture, but I don't know if we can get it on there or not, but uh, of uh, old Jerusalem. And, and it tells us that whenever they, they left the upper room, I, I don't know about you, but I love pictures. And, and, and it helps me to understand more of, of, of what is going on. But, but you can see how they would have come out of the gate and they, they went down in the, the Kidron Valley and it was there that as they're walking and they're preparing to go up the hill to the other side to the Garden of Gethsemane, that, that they would have pretty much, when they went through that valley, walked through a vineyard. That was where they had the, had the vineyards at the time. And, so, and, and as they are walking, then they're going to come and they're, they're going to be walking. Think about the peacefulness and, and it's late at night and, and, and all is quiet and the, and the town is quiet and, and now they're walking out of there and they're walking through this valley and they're walking through this quiet place where all these groups are being grown and, and, and it's here that some believe, and it does make sense, that Jesus gave this parable of the vine and branches. And so he uses the relationship of a vine and a branch in agriculture to speak about the importance of abiding in him. Now, as we look at this passage here in the first five verses of John chapter 15, we see that he is talking to those that know Christ is their Savior. He's talking to the 11 disciples that have been following him, walking with him, and he's now encouraging them. Here they are in all of their mind. They're thinking, God, if you go away, what is going to happen? We're going to face death. We're, we're the, These Pharisees that, that, that you have, have made a mockery of and in, 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 in how prideful and arrogant they are, they're going to come at us with a vengeance. And, and think about the anxiety going on in their hearts about now. And so he comes to this place, and it's a challenging time coming for them. All kinds of tests, and the walls are caving in on them. I'm sure they are overwhelmed, and, it has, and it's nothing in comparison that's what's going to happen early that morning. And so he prepares them. And so as we look at this, and we see how our Savior ministers to those 11 men He's also using this very same passage to minister to us today. 
as believers. And I pray that we can understand the power that we have in our Savior and what He does for us. And so let's look at this. We're just going to look at a few points and then we'll be done. But first of all, we think about the source of our strength. Whenever we're walking through, and so let's put ourselves in the, in the place of those disciples and let us think that we have had a good communion with Jesus, and, and, and here we are. We're worshiping God together. We're in a wonderful place where we are right now, and we're praising Him, and we're, we're thanking Him for all of these things, and, and soon we're going to be dismissed. And, and even as He said, arise, let us go hence. And, and so we are going to arise, and we're going to go out of here, and we're going to go into this week, and, and we're going to choose whether we serve God or whether we do not, and, and are we going to live in a way that is honoring to God or not, and, and all of these the, the issues that we're going to deal with. And so we, we are walking with Him, we're giving all of these thoughts, and so let's take some time and give some thought to the source of our strength that He shows us, and we come here and we see, first of all, that the vine is the source. The vine is the source. And Jesus, he tells us that I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. My, fa- my father is the, the farmer. My, farmer, my father is, is the, the, the vine dresser. He's the one that is watching over all of this. His eyes are always upon the righteous. But Jesus is the true vine. He also compared himself in John 1 and verse 9. He's the true light. He says, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He said in John 6, 32, that then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. Oh, how I do love and know that Jesus is the genuine article. How I know that we we don't need to hide who Jesus is. We don't need to mask who he is. We don't don't need to make ourselves and and, and pretty ourselves up and and make everybody think that we're something that we're not. And that's what cults do so often. They want to hide who they truly are. Look, there isn't anything about that in true, genuine Christianity. We are transparent and we are open and we need to be the real deal when we tell people the truth about who God is. Jesus is the real deal. Jesus is the one that will save you. Jesus is the one that can forgive you. Jesus is the only one that can forgive you. Jesus is the only one that can give you a path into heaven. Jesus is the only one that gives eternal life. Jesus is the only one that satisfies us with the bread of life. Jesus is the only one that is the true water of life. Jesus is the only one that that is the light that can show us and and lead us to, to, to God the Father. Look, broad is the way to destruction. But narrow is the way. And he made that statement in John chapter 14. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is the genuine article. He is the true bread, the true vine. And so we see the grapevine and and we see the branches. In our old building back on Warner Street, when Dick lived there, Next door to us, to the north, Dick had a, and it's still there, but it's not pruned or taken care of like it used to be, but 
man, Dick was meticulous with everything in that place. And he had a and he had a grapevine that, that went down the east fence and then turned and, and went north on that fence. And, and every once in a while, he would scold our kids because they'd go out there and pick his grapes. And he liked to make wine. And so, but, hey, I figure if they're on my side, that's just the way it is, you know. And, and so I'd just sneak out there when Dick wasn't around and eat the grapes. And so you have to fight the squirrels, too. But... But I think about the, the grapevine, and, and I think here of how, how they're walking through. And think about, I, I don't, you know, I, I guess I probably at that time they, they weren't uh, ready to, to eat at this time. But just thinking how, how pretty the vines are and, and how well-dressed they are. And, and so here we have that Jesus is that true vine. Jesus is the only source also for the branch, there is no abiding or living without receiving life from the true vine. There are others that try to come up and try to make themselves look like a grapevine. They try to look like the genuine article, but they're not. But he is the true vine, and the branch is the servant. The branch is the one that has trusted Christ. Now, let's give some thought to this, and then I, I, I know I need to hurry and, and, and move through this, but one of the things that I find interesting, here, here you have those 11 disciples that, that have been following the Judaistic teachings, and, and, and they have grown up with a, with a respect and an awe and a fear towards the scribes and towards the Pharisees, towards those that were very meticulous in their law-keeping and they and those men were uh, the Pharisees would would had had a very strong arm upon those around, and they were very cautious in their in their legalism and in how they were doing, and and not put up with anybody that would teach against that. And and here we see that Jesus is doing some things. First of all, he leads them out of the wall of Jerusalem and takes them outside the camp. He takes them outside the city. And he's starting to show them that, look, what is inside there, what is represented by that temple, that what those men have made this to be, in this law, in the rules, in the regulations, in the religion, in the tradition, and in all of those things that, that you have been raised up in thinking that these are the things that are, that are going to path the way to heaven, and, and you need to be keeping all of these rules, we're coming out of that. We're coming out of all of that. We're coming out of that city. We're coming out of the camp. And you need to follow me. You need to follow me and understand that I am the true vine. And that you need to trust me. And I'm the only source for the branch. And you guys are the branch. The servant. The branch is the servant. And so they went outside of that. Think of this. I, I, I was given thought to this early this morning and thinking that our source of strength isn't in our doing, but it's truly in resting in the fellowship that I have with my Savior. And that is exactly what he's trying to tell these guys. Guys, you need to understand. You're walking away from everything that you used to be. You're walking away from everything that you have been taught. And you need to understand 
that I am the true vine and that your strength will come only from me. And so we see the source of the strength is obviously through Jesus. And they needed to identify with him. Their identification was no longer with a Jewish nation. Their identification was no longer in keeping of the Judaistic law. No longer were they to come to the priest and give their offerings and, and, and make those sacrifices, but instead they were going to see that Jesus was that perfect sacrifice. I mean, they were giving up everything to do this. And so we think about what they were giving up. Well, then he goes on, not only the source of our strength, but then he also shows us how important it is to understand the sustaining of our strength. And he tells us in verse 2, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. First of all, whenever we think about this, we think about purging. And in this purging, we see that there, there's a couple of things that, that I want us to think about in this purging process. First of all, there's branches that are not bearing fruit. So we have branches not bearing fruit. Well, look at this. He says, every branch in me that beareth or produceth not fruit, he taketh away. That at this time that is not producing fruit, then he taketh away. Now, I, I started reading this, and and. I think there are two applications to this. I think, first of all, whenever you, you see the word taketh away, the, the two words there, it, it has the implication of, of lifting it up. Now, you think about grapevines, and you look at those that raise those, and, and they, they keep those vines growing up and then out, correct? They don't let them grow on the ground. What happens if they grow on the ground? The rodents get them, the birds are going to get them, they're going to get stepped on, they're going to rot because of the moisture in the ground and, and all of these things. And so, first of all, he's going to take those that are laying on the ground that aren't producing like they ought to, and the first thing he's going to do is lift them up. He's going to bring them up off of the dirt, he's going to bring them off out of that corrupting soil and put them where they can be producing what they need to. Sometimes in our lives, we're not producing fruit as we should because we're down and we're being corrupted by the things of the world. We're being corrupted by our own mind. We're being corrupted by the temptations and powers of, of Satan throwing these things at us every day. And so he lifts us up and he picks us up off of the ground. But it also has the implication that on some of those, he cuts them off. Now, you need to remember that, and, and, and we'll get into this in a, in, a, in a moment, and this isn't talking about salvation. This is talking to believers and in their work and in their fellowship with their Savior. Now, I, I find this to be a fair warning. He says in, in Luke chapter 8 and verse 18, Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given. And whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. Now, hold with me and you'll understand this. First of all, he tells us in John chapter 1 and verse 29, uh, John the Baptist makes the statement. He says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming, uh, 
coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Over in 1 John chapter 3, if you want to, you can turn. Maybe, I think we have, a, have it come up on the screen, I'm not sure. But in uh, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 5, And you know that he was manifest to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Look, one of the things we all need to understand, and, and, and I don't think we'll truly grasp this until we are in heaven, the depth of his love and the power uh, of his salvation is that whenever we call upon him to forgive us of our sins, he takes them away. All of them. All of our sins. He has died for all the sins of the world and those that will call upon him, he takes your sins and takes them away and says that he buries them in the deepest of the oceans and they are cast away as far as the east is from the west. When does the east ever become west? Never does. Now north can become south. East always is east. West is always west. Isn't that good? And so he says that he cast them as far away. And so there are, there are times that we need to understand now our salvation is secure if you have placed your faith in Christ as your Savior. However, there are times when all you need is for your Savior to pick you up and purge you from the corruption around you. But there are also times where he will purge you by taking you off. You know what I call it? And it's my own term, but I've heard others putting you on a shelf. I think that's a dangerous place for we as believers to ever be. You want to live in the corruption of the world? You want to live like the devil all week and then come all prime and pretty on a Sunday morning? and act like you are the real deal, when everything about you is fake, and your, your heart is miserable, your life is wretched, your family is falling apart, your kids are headed to hell, and here you are looking all prim and proper, and God says there is going to come a time in your life where I'm not only going to pick you up, but I'm going to pull you off of the vine, and I'm going to let you wither up, and I'm going to let you become totally impotent, and I'm going to let you and allow you to where you will never produce any fruit in your life, and you're not going to represent me in this wild, wicked way. Oh, I do believe God can do that. And that's a horrible place to be. But God is always there. And he allows that to happen to bring you back to where you need to be. And if you as a believer continue to shake your fist at God and be angry at God, be careful. Be careful. And I do believe that he's talking to these disciples. You guys are going to see something vile and wicked, and you're going to watch them do some horrible things to me, and they're going to do horrible things to you. They're going to do horrible things to your family. And there's going to be a time in your life when you're going to get into a dark room somewhere and you're going to shake your fist and you're going to think, I can't do this. I'm not going to do this anymore. God, it's your fault. And I'm so mad at you that I'm going to live my life without you in it in any way. And be careful getting to that point. 
And I do believe he was giving them a warning, as he gives us one too. God is not mocked. And God, when, whenever things are allowed into our lives as a child of God, it is always to bring us closer to him, never to drive us away. And so, there's branches not bearing fruit. But then he says, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So then, it might not necessarily be that, that God is punishing you in any way. He's just making you healthier. I, I, I'm not a horticulturist. I, I'm not even a good tree trimmer, but I had my chainsaw out the other day. Man, I see why you guys do that. It just gives you a sense of power. You know, you start that thing up, you know, and uh, I purged everything in my backyard. I may have killed half of it. Looks good right now. Uh, I'm sure the tree trimmers would come in and say, yeah, it kind of looks like you put a bowl on his head and cut his hair, you know, <clears throat> but I think it looks good. But to purge has the idea to cleanse uh, of of uh, filthy impurities, to, to prune trees and vines from useless shoots that are on there. And, and, and there, you, you see what he does? I, I see this perfectly in my own life, how, how he comes in and purges some of the ideas that I have. He, he purges some of the thoughts that have been going on in my mind. He, he cleanses us of, of those. We've been looking at insecurity in our connections class, and he, and he gets rid of some of the attitude and the negativity and, and brings people in your life that come and pray with you and, and encourage you and give you scripture, and you're like, okay, yeah, I need to come back to this, and, and, and he purges us of, of those things that, that don't need to be in our lives, and, and here we see that that is exactly what he does. It's a healthy thing for God to purge, and that's what he's telling them. He said, I'm going to make you get rid of some of that junk that's in your life so that you can serve me better. And then he says that not only is there purging, but there's also a cleansing. Just like we just heard the song by the choir. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. To be pure. It could be purified by fire. I mean, there are all kinds of things that, that he could do, and, and he'll show us this. He says in James 1 and 21, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. This is a, a over-exceeding uh, debauchery in, in how, how people want to live and, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. And then he says, Sanctify them through thy truth, Thy word is truth. We, uh, we, we watched the two younger Carnes kids while Pastor Wes and Laura and Wesley were in California. And uh, Thursday, uh, I treated them like child labor. They helped purge. I didn't let them run the chainsaw, even though I'm sure Nick would have loved it. But... But we got done, and we were filthy. But we weren't done. Then we went to the ball field. And we're out there playing in the dirt, and we're playing in the dirt. And I look over, and they're both laying there kind of like 
looks like they're making sand angels. You know, you might still find sand in their hair today. Needless to say, when they got home, we're like, yeah, you guys need a shower. Maybe like three of them. And so with a good scrubbing, right? And, and so, but it was, a, it was a great day. But they go in and they, they get all cleaned up. And, and, and this reminds me of why our kids are grown, and I'm kind of enjoying that. Tyler shows up, and, and then here they are. They're all nice and clean, and they're ready for bed. And at 8.30 at night, they're in the front yard wrestling in the grass. And we do it all over again. But I think about how, how good you feel. After, I mean, you've been working and you're sweating and, and, and you got pine needles and dirt and junk all over you and you go in and you get all cleaned up and how refreshed you are. Well, that is exactly what God's Word does. And, and, and here in the, the, the cleansing process, that in, in this purging, in the branches that aren't bearing fruit and the branches that are bearing fruit, and, 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 but then we see the cleansing that comes from this, and, and we are cleansed through the Word of God. And we as believers, and that's what he's showing them, look, in all the challenges you guys are going to have, you need to understand that it's the Word of God that is going to cleanse you. It's the Word of God that's going to, all, all of the dirt and muck that you've gotten from being in the world all day long, you're going to be cleansed through the Word. And you abide with me. And so then we go to verse 4. i got to hurry. But we see the stability of our strength. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you. As branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. Now, in the stability of our strength, first of all, abiding brings stability, doesn't it? Abiding brings stability. To abide means to remain, to tarry, not to depart, to continue, to wait. Look, he is talking to his disciples who have trusted him as their Savior. This is not dealing with their salvation. This is dealing with the fellowship that they have with him. Warren Wiersbe said, what does it mean to abide? It means to keep in fellowship with Christ so that his life can work in and through us to produce fruit. Some things that when we abide in Christ, first of all, we need to be secure in our salvation. So I ask you today, I ask you as you sit here today, if I was to sit down beside you and give me a Bible reason, give me a Bible verse, or give me a Bible principle that you can tell me that proves to me that you know Christ is your Savior and that if you were to die today, you would spend an eternity with Him. Do you have it? Do you have it? It's not, it's not a testimony, well, God saved me from a car wreck 17 years ago, and so I know God's not done with me. Look, God may have saved you from that car wreck so that you could come to your senses and realize that you still haven't dealt with your sin, and you need to seek Him for forgiveness. Don't give me some testimony that when I was six years old, I, I, I was lying in bed and, and some purple uh, unicorn come dancing through my dreams and, and spread fairy dust over my head. And so I know today that I'm saved because of that. doesn't mean anything other than whatever you ate the night before, I probably wouldn't touch it again. I'm serious. I mean, 
Satan has led us to believe all kinds of things that aren't genuine. Jesus is the only one. Some might believe that it's your baptism, like what we're going to have on Sunday night, the 14th. That's what saves you. No, it doesn't. That tells the world that Jesus has saved you already. And you're telling them that you're a disciple of Christ. Maybe it's that you're a part of a, of a good church. Hey, I'm glad you're here. But this church isn't going to get you to heaven. I mean, look at me. You think I'm going to get you there? I, I might, yeah, I might put you in front of the throne a whole lot quicker if you ride with me in that SRT. <laughs> you see, it's Jesus. Jesus is the genuine thing. Jesus is the only thing. And he's the one that gives us that stability. And so being secure in our salvation, in whom ye also trusted, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. So first of all, those that have already trusted, those that have placed their faith in Christ, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Look, you understand that the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that he paid the penalty for all the sins of the world, and that whosoever calls upon him shall be saved. Those that have trusted him, those that have heard that and placed their faith in him, in whom after, whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. I want to see everybody here one day in heaven. I would love to see all of Morgan County in heaven. I would, I would love to be used by God to be able to stay around long enough that this entire county hears of the gospel and has a choice to make whether to trust him or not. Because that's what God wants. God wants all of us to be there. But it's your choice. It's your choice. But we see that salvation, we need to be secure in his salvation. We need to remain in his love. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. And so now, God's love is like a big umbrella. And here it is. Stay under that. Stay under the protection of his wing. Stay under the protection of that love and, and his guardianship over your life. Warren Wiersbe also said, this abiding relationship is natural to the branch and the vine, but it must be cultivated in the Christian worship, meditation on God's Word, prayer, sacrifice, and service. But what a joyful experience it is. Once you have begun to cultivate this deeper communion with Christ, you have no desire to return to the shallow life of the careless Christian. And we need to remain under His leading. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. The Holy Spirit in the life of a believer is constantly reminding us that we are a child of God. And not only that, but he will lead us, and as the, as the one author said, obey every impulse of the Holy Spirit. And so abiding brings stability. But lastly, abiding brings fruit. 
Abiding brings fruit. When I think about the fruit that God gives us, our, our strength is up and down, but Jesus is always the same. Our union with Christ is a living union so that we may bear fruit, what one author said. It's not our fruit. It's the fruit that is born through the vine, which is Christ, which is actually his spirit. Paul wrote to the, first, to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3, 7 through 9, So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. He that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. Psalm 1 and verse 3, great psalm to remember. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall also not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. You see, the thing that we need to understand is not every Christian will bear fruit the same way or at the same rate, but every Christian ought to be bearing fruit. Fruit of the Spirit. We all ought to have some of that. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, Against such there is no law. How we need to practice that. How we need to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and help us to be more of producing the fruit of the Spirit. I also believe that we all ought to be producing the fruit of souls. John 15, 8 says, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. We looked at this in, in our connections this morning in, in dealing with insecurities and, and dealing with, with the anxiousness that comes from these insecurities. And one of the, one of the reasons that we have insecurity is that we, we place our hope, we place our value, we place our worth, we, we, we place our security in something that's temporal. And we don't place it in something that is eternal. We don't place it in that which no one can take away. And we need to get back and understand that, that what we do for God is eternal and it's heavenly and it can't be touched by this that's in the world. And so the fruit of the souls, we need to be willing to step out and tell others. I'll end with an illustration neighbor came by a nearby farm and asked the farmer, how's the corn crop this year? He said, I didn't plant any corn. I was afraid of the drought. Well, how's your cotton crop? Well, I never planted any cotton this year. I was afraid of the boll weevil. Well, what about your wheat crop? I didn't plant any wheat because I was afraid of the blight. What about your potatoes? No, I didn't plant them either. I was afraid of the potato bug. Then he looked at him and he said, friend, I'll tell you the truth. I am planting nothing this year because I was just playing it safe. You know, there, there are too many times in my life where the Holy Spirit has prompted me, hey, you need to go see this guy. 
Or you see your neighbor out working, hey, now's the time. Go over there and talk to your neighbor. Start building a relationship. Invite them to come to church sometime. Sit down and talk to them about the Lord. Yeah, okay, Lord, I'll, my phone's ringing. You know, I, I got I to gotta answer the phone, Lord. I'll, 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 I'll do that later. Oh, and, and then pretty soon he's gone. Go to Walmart and you think, man, I need to pass out a track. And you walk in and never do it. Afraid to impose. You're afraid to be bold with your family. Maybe, maybe you're older and your, your children are grown and, and they, they remember you from days past. Maybe it's your neighbors that, that grew up around you and remembered what you were. You're just afraid to go to them and talk to them. And so you play it safe. And, and our society has gotten so much worse with all of the, the Facebook and the Instagram and all of that. We can post exactly what we want people to see. But they really don't have to see who we are. It's really something different whenever they come into your home and have dinner with you. Or they come over and have a picnic with you and they see your home and they see that your kids are as big a brats as theirs are, you know? And they find that your house is just as cluttered as their house. And they find out that you're as human as they are. And you start opening yourself up to them. You start telling them about the relationship that you have with Christ. We need to be courageous. And we need to be bold. And now is not the time to cower. Now is not the time to step back and say, I'll do that tomorrow. Now is not the time where we say, well, maybe next year I'll invite so-and-so to the Easter service. Or maybe it'll be at the next family reunion where, where I'll bring up the Savior's name and, and talk to some of my family. But this year, let's just, let's just let it slide. You know, I got so many things on my plate, Lord, that, that I really just don't have time to do this for you. And that's the things that he's telling these guys. You guys are coming into a time in this world where you're going to be challenged even with your life. And your strength will come in me. Well, now is the time. We have been chosen for this time, in this country, in the challenges that we are facing, to say, I'm going to be bold, and I'm going to abide in the vine, and I'm going to be strong for God, and I'm going to allow Him to purge me, I'm going to allow Him to cleanse me, I'm going to allow Him to use me in however way that He wants to, and I'm going to trust in His strength and His strength only. And he will use us. And we will make a difference. Not only in our lives, but in our family. And in our co-workers. And in our neighbors. And in our county. And in our state. And in our country. And in this world. God can use us. If we abide in the vine. Let's walk with him. Let's walk out of here today challenged as these men were. And did they still fail at times? Yes, they did. 
Were they scared when they watched Jesus brutally killed? Yes, they were. Did Peter even deny him? Yes, he did. But then Peter came back. Though the righteous man fall, yet will he get back up, right? And Peter preached. 3,000 people trusted Christ in one day. Thousands came to trust Jesus as their Savior through the preaching of Peter. And he went to the cross to die for his faith. And it is said that whenever he went to the cross to be crucified, he said, I don't want to die the same way that my Savior died. And so he asked to be hung upside down on the cross. How miserable would that be to die that kind of a death? So if God can use Peter, can God use us? Yep. Can God do as much with us as he did with John? Yes, he can. Yes, he can. Let's allow him to do so. Let's abide. Let's abide. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the attentiveness of each one who's here. Lord, I know that it's been long. Some are tired, I'm sure, from the late night. But Father, I thank you that you are our strength. And I pray that you stir in the hearts of each one who's here. I pray that first of all, each one knows and has trusted you as their Savior. And Father, help us to understand that you are our strength. You're the only one that can help us get through the time that we have in an honoring and pleasing way to you. And I pray that you help us, guide us, help us to be strong in your power, Lead us and direct us and help us, Father, in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.